It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And it's time to move on to 2024. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. So today we're coming to you live with a way too early 2020. <laughs> I saw I saw a, a way too early 2024 full mock or full first round NFL mock. And I was like, God, some people, you just can't. The wheel doesn't stop turning. It never stops turning, ever. We get... We pump our veins full of content, and then the second that the draft ends, it's time to move on to the next draft because we can't get enough. But that's not what we're doing today. We are talking about the draft that just happened because this has been a very long time in the making. We have spent months and months with these campers, watching them move through college football, through the draft process just to get to this point in time, which is when the campers became NFL players. This is a huge moment. This marks our the final stretch, basically, of, of season one of Camp Dynasty, the last phase of the process. We are going to be talking about the draft today, and we will be devoting a lot of time over the next two months to talking about the Dynasty view on the campers and how things have changed and where things sit. But before we get into all of that, let's just talk about what went down this last weekend, Colin, because there were some shocking events that happened in both ways. Players that rose up the boards, players that plummeted down the boards. Um, so uh, yeah, let's just start, man. Round one. Let's start with the man himself <laughs> because Bijan Robinson, which Disclaimer, let's get out ahead of this before it turns into a scandal. It is not <laughs> pronounced Bajan. No. It is pronounced Bijan. I was led astray by my sources, very reputable sources, led me to believe that it was not pronounced Bijan, but it is. It is Bijan Robinson. We spent a couple weeks with the Bajan era, but it's over now. It is. We we double checked, we fact checked. You know, we got questioned by a listener. We came to us and yep. said, "Well, how? Where'd you hear this?" <laughs> and so we we dug and we. I mean, man, the the tapes have been erased. Wherever <laughs> wherever we heard Bajan from, it's just a beep now. Yeah, <laughs> it's been redacted. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is Bijan Robinson and Bijan Robinson went number eight he to sure the did. Atlanta Falcons, which both of us, I, I, I hate patting myself on the back. My Do shoulder it. gets sore, but both of us <laughs> said that he would go top 10 and I said he'd go top eight. So, uh, you don't have to buy a four pack of mustard. Because I mean, he didn't. He did go top sixteen. I you wore the Bijan Mustardson shirt. I, I was there. I saw it, and I mean, to the moon, baby. One hundred and one, Mister One Hundred and One, undoubtedly, to the moon. Yeah, I, it's I. I know I don't have to buy mustard, but I feel like I still am going to just to celebrate this amazing <laughs> moment in the arc of Bijan Robinson. I mean, yeah, I, 
we, we knew that this whole thing was BS, all the mocks of him falling into the twenties, that was never going to happen. And I think, you know, when we did our flavors of takes, it was like, we're getting a little spicy by saying the, you know, he's going to go top eight, top 12. But then as we got closer and closer to the draft, it really started to seem like that was a realistic possibility that Atlanta was honed in on Bijan. And we, we talked about this, how they have, you know, it's Pitts, London, Bijan, bang, 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 three top 10 picks spent on skill position players and what a what a spot for Bijan. I mean, it's impossible to call Bijan a riser because there's nowhere to rise to, but this is the perfect situation, the perfect scenario and for me it's it's locking it in that this is as of today the running back one in dynasty. There is no running back I would rather own in this game than Bijan Robinson. Yeah, I talked to somebody today, and he was like, yeah, but it's kind of a crowded backfield with Tyler Algier and Caleb <laughs> Huntley and Cordero Patterson. And I made a hand, I made a bet, a $5 bet, that uh, he'd have over 1,000 yards this year. And that, that nice. was the easiest. I, I normally, I'm not a betting man. You know, I, I'm, right. not, I'm not a gambler. But when you're talking Bijan over 1,000 yards, I mean, man. Uh, I don't think Tyler Huntley, Tyler Algier, and Caleb Huntley are getting in the way of that. Man, R.I.P. Algier was fun while it lasted. Yeah. I mean, it's just you know that we the, this was always going to happen in one way or another. It just so happens that they went for the top dog. They went for the man himself, and that is an, I mean, excellent fit. The schemes, you know, they're going to run it a ton with him. He's going to change that offense. He will change the fabric of that team and will help uh, Desmond Ritter and the pass catchers uh, open things up a little bit more too. So, man, it was incredible. But we didn't have to wait too long after Bijan got drafted for the next running back to go, Colin. The, The most, I will call it the most shocking pick of round one of the NFL draft was Jameer Gibbs going number 12 to the Lions. I mean, there was a lot of talk about, you know, and when we did our mock last week, we said, you know, but what if the Chargers take him at 21? I mean, that seems a little high, but they might do it. No, <laughs> the NFL was locked in on this guy. And I heard somebody say Dan Campbell's been looking for his Elvin Kamara and he thinks he has it with Jameer Gibbs. So what do you make of that spot? Do you like the spot? I, I like the spot. They I traded away Deandre Swift later yep. that night. And I, I mean, when you have a team that has a guy that can work in the short yardage, like David Montgomery can, and then you can free up, Jameer Gibbs to do all of the things Jameer Gibbs is good at. I love the spot. I I mean, they've been talking about getting their Alvin Kamara, getting their Debo Samuel, you know, and I think Gibbs, if he gets a role like that, where he's catching passes and he's, you know, obviously getting a ton of rushing work on top of that, like, 
people can argue the touchdown upside must might be a little capped because he's not a super good red zone threat, but the top 12 draft capital speaks for itself. The last decade, I mean, the, the guys that have been drafted in the top 12 in are Todd Gurley, Zeke, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Saquon, Bijan, and Gibbs. That's elite company. Not bad. So uh, you talk about a guy that's going to get utilized. You talk about a guy that the team values. You're talking about Gibbs at 12. So that he, I mean, that's a win. That's, that's a huge win uh, in my opinion. It's a huge win. It's a huge win. And, I mean, we got to – let's just talk about it, right? Because we, we can't we can't talk about Gibbs without talking about another player because we both had Zach Charbonnet – above Jameer Gibbs in our final pre-draft rankings. And Charbonnet went in round two. It was everything we could have asked for. Yeah. Get a nice high day two capital. But he went to the Seahawks. Sure did. And so, I mean... We're talking about this elite company, good landing spot for Gibbs. And now on the flip side, it is a crowded backfield, an uncertain situation. I mean, what do we do with Zach Charbonnet at this point? I know that you're a little less the sky is falling than I am. But, man, this sucks. It it really does. Like, I would have loved to see him go to a team – where he could have an unquestioned, you know, running back one type of role where maybe he relinquishes some of the passing down duties, but he still is the the battering ram, the you know, the red zone guy, and then is getting the lion's share of the rushing attempts. But now you're in a backfield with Ken Walker who had a great rookie season and is one of the purest runners in football and it's like now we're looking at a timeshare because obviously i mean they took him in the second round they're going to use him it's not like his value is tanked but his value is capped because there's just a limited volume because they also took jackson who we'll talk about later jackson smith and jigba at uh 20 in the first round so they're adding to the pass game uh, they have DK and Lockett already there, and then they have Ken Walker there already. So there is only there, there are too many mouths to feed in this offense now where I think it can get a little muddy. It really it, – it's really unfortunate. I didn't want to have to be sitting here and having this conversation. And we – I mean, we had conversations this weekend. Um, like, what does this do to Charbonnet's ADP? Because, like, we – we both had him third, and when you run through it in your head now, it becomes hard to talk yourself into this situation by, you know, pick eight, nine even, maybe later. I mean, I think some people are going to be terrified of this spot, and for good reason. I, like you said, have a bit of a different look on it, but that is – purely because I believe in Charbonnet's talent so much that I feel like this pick 
them spending this level of capital on Charbonnet with an established runner already in place signals that, A, there's going to be a role for for both of them, obviously. Now, what does that look like from, from a fantasy perspective? That's kind of the muddy part. But honestly, I kind of thought it was worse news for Ken Walker than it was for Charbonnet because to me it says, you know, we – want an insurance policy or we want to add to this room because we want to run the football but is Ken Walker the guy I mean there was questions about him coming out last year of can he have a full workload can he play all three downs what does that look like well we know Charbonnet has that third down ability we talked you know that's a big part of his game the pass catching so I don't know. Maybe they see something with Charbonnet that they don't have with Walker, but it's kind of hard to say, man, after what we saw from Ken Walker last year that he's just going to, you know, play second fiddle to the to the rookie this year. Yeah, it's hard to imagine that they'll like defer to Zach Charbonnet in a situation like this, but I I'm like I mentioned before, they're, they're going to work on both end. Like they're both dynamic yeah. athletes and they they both have their place. And Pete Carroll wants to run the ball, which is a little concerning for I'll segue into Jackson who got taken at 20. And uh, like, I, I don't dislike the spot for a long-term value because I lock it is 31 and, He's got a couple years left, and DK is a compliment to him anyway, so I don't mind him being on the same team and competing with DK because, you know, that's you can have two wide receivers on a team. Shocking no, development. No, stop it. You can't do that. <laughs> so I, I like the landing spot. I don't love it for his rookie year, uh, but I I do like the situation. What do you think? I agree. I mean, I, I think it, there is a way to view this as a bad spot for Jackson, just simply because there are names in front of him, a player, you know, like Tyler Lockett that plays the same role that we expect Jackson to have or similar role. But I don't mind this at all because Lockett's getting older um, I mean, he, he'll be there. The, the contract, I think, is a few more years there. They signed him not that long ago. But they're going to work Jackson in more and more. Like you said, I mean, if you're drafting this player two or three in your draft and expecting him to come in and, you know, be be the guy for you, be a, a starting wide receiver that you can count on from week to week, probably not this year um but long term man no i'm not worried about this at all i think it's actually a good spot long term for him because we we kind of know what that uh what the role looks like we'll see what they do at quarterback we'll see how gino is this year and you know what that looks like but man we we said it for months and months this is a high floor player he will help any quarterback that's there if he's on the field he will be a productive asset yeah yeah, I totally agree. Um, a, a guy that I think will have an impact on his rookie year and maybe have a higher floor is Jordan Addison, who got drafted to the Vikings in the first round. I believe it was at 25. And 
that feels like a very nice spot because he gets to play alongside Justin Jefferson. We were talking about in our uh, mock draft episode that we wanted the Vikings to take a, a wide receiver. We had them trading up for JSN actually to play alongside uh, Justin Jefferson in that offense because they don't really have a true wide receiver two next to Jefferson. So they, they just have K.J. Osborne. They have Hawkinson, who technically counts, but it's not really the same since he plays in line quite a bit. So I really, really love the Jordan Addison fit on the Vikings. Yeah, Addison was a big winner. Big winner from the draft, in my opinion, because I think this spot, Minnesota, is it's very easy to imagine him being productive. Like, there's still, you know, we talked about all like the pre-draft concerns with the size and, you know, what does it look like? They spent 25 overall on him. This is an offense that we've seen multiple pass catchers be relevant. They have the best wide receiver in football. He's going to live in the slot and do what he does. And I, I, yeah, this is a great spot for him. And I think it honestly, I mean, we're, we're going to get to talk about this like more and more in the, in the coming months when we go through our final rankings for each position. But I think this kind of solidifies Addison uh, as wide receiver two in the class. It was very close between him and Flowers for me pre-draft. And I think this spot is good enough that that kind of locks it up and and maybe even the fourth overall player at this point yeah i think that's absolutely spot on because they're gonna keep jefferson around i mean kirk cousins we know is more than good enough at getting his receivers the ball i mean if there's one thing he's gonna do it's put up stats right whether they're empty calorie or not because at the end of the day that's what scores fantasy points baby so if Jordan Addison is putting up, I like a couple of years ago, Adam Thielen production, you can feel excellent about that. Absolutely. And he'll take and, the top off a little more often. Right. Yeah. I, I think the, the role makes a lot of sense. I think it's going to, I mean, we'll see what, the, what they, you know, there's some questions there about running back and things like that, but they're, they're investing in this offense they want to keep it going and yeah i think it's i think it's great for addison i said flowers and addison were very close and i'm not saying that flowers went to a bad spot either because we did see the run happen the 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 wide receiver run as it typically does it starts with jackson at 20 Addison kind of stopped it at 25 and in between those two players were the other two guys that we've spent a lot of time talking about one of which is a flowers going 22 to the Ravens he didn't go to the Chargers because they took Quinton Johnson at 21 so 21 22 is John is Johnson and flowers what do you make of those spots yeah well first of all uh the zay flowers spot i i really liked it i i know the the again the ceiling is a little capped on the ravens offense just based on the how run heavy it is i mean they the love toting the rock and lamar runs the ball and they throw a lot to mark andrews so that there there is an inherent limitation 
to what a wide receiver is going to do there. And I think the it, it can be a little bit of a check a chicken and egg thing. Like, is it the wide receiver talent fault or is it the scheme's fault? And so I guess we'll kind of see because Zay Flowers is the perfect weapon to pair with Lamar because he I think he needs a a guy that's just going to consistently be open and can stretch the field and that's exactly what say it's going to be so i i mean go you know put in the the louisville vhs and go rewatch what he was doing there and look at some of the bombs that he's throwing i i don't think he's lost that at 25 years old i don't think that is gone and I think you'll see him uncorking a couple of those as Zay Flowers. So uh, there may be a little bit of a boom-bust nature with Zay Flowers, just given the fact that he's not going to be a security blanket because they do still have Mark Andrews there and they're going to lean on the running game. But it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch him. I like how we're breaking out the VHS tapes from 2017. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if VHS, I don't even know if VHS existed in 2017. <laughs> it is pretty crazy, though, that Lamar has been in the league for five years, and he's, going on six years here. And hey, congrats to Lamar. Yes. He's back, baby. Yes. We didn't, you know, Zay Flowers is going to be catching passes from Lamar Jackson. With certainty. Yes. And, uh, yeah, Lamar, younger than Stetson Bennett, Hendon Hooker. <laughs> hey. and so that that feels yep. good. Basically, he just, he's getting drafted again yeah, yeah. now. At $185 million guaranteed. Yeah, right. Man, I, th- to go back to the Flowers thing, though, like Marquise Brown, I mean, like, I don't – that's why I don't understand. Like, there is a little bit of hesitancy around this spot, I think, because we still have this idea. And, I mean, it is true that the Ravens – like to run the ball, Lamar Jackson hasn't been the most efficient passer in the league. He's you know, underrated, I would say, but still, he's not Patrick Mahomes. And but look at what Hollywood did in his last year in Baltimore: thousand yards receiving, six touchdowns, fantasy relevant. He gets traded. I think Zay Flowers gives you a little bit more than Hollywood does in terms of being a playmaker. He's going to stretch the field. But he's also going to be able to get yards after the catch and work over the middle a little bit better than Hollywood could. So I think if you project him in that sort of way, I mean, you get the Bateman-Flowers combination. I mean, it, there's still production to be had here. Like there's going to be – they're not running the ball 50 times a game. So I think this is a good spot for Flowers. I, I definitely do. Good pairing. It's like steak and red wine. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Quentin Johnson, though, how do we feel about that? I was honestly a little bit taken back. I wasn't sure if we were going to see him go round one, but he was wide receiver, too. He went after Jackson, and the Chargers snatched him up. We knew they wanted speed. We knew they were looking at receiver. They opt to go for Quentin Johnston. So does that make you feel better about Quentin Johnson seeing this? It does, and I just want to – put a correction out there i said addison went at 25 he went at 23 i didn't i don't remember if you corrected me but i just want to put that into the world i did not correct you i so went with it there I was trusted you. there was the mini run 21 22 23 yep. there it is yep. uh 20 21 22 23 with jackson through four in a row addison yep. so johnson at 21 to the chargers 
is beautiful. I mean, we've we've been banging the table for them to take a wide receiver and take a fast wide receiver. This is just adding juice into this offense, much needed juice. Because, I mean, you look at that team at the end of last season, and it was it was hard it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch. You know, Keenan Allen back from injury, and and same with Mike Williams. I mean, Josh Palmer was wide receiver one some games. Uh, it was it was tough. Gerald Everett was catching a lot of passes, and that's not what you want in your NFL offense in the year 2023. So you get Johnson in here, you get somebody that can stretch the field, you get somebody with juice after the catch, and you work out the kinks in the – I think the system is great for him. I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun. That's what I love about this spot is that he is not – the guy right away Mm -hmm. he has time to work out the kinks like you said i mean think of him as josh palmer right like put him in the josh palmer role and they brought i mean obviously palmer's a third round draft pick they brought him along a little bit kind of a raw player bigger raw receiver coming out of tennessee i like i like josh palmer i didn't mean to slander josh palmer good player good player and they brought him along and like you said they needed him last year and he performed he had a very sneaky good season you plug quentin johnson into that type of role in this offense and i think he could be in for some big stuff and you know probably not this year again you're you're not drafting quentin johnson for what he's going to do for you in 2023 but this spot and this situation makes me feel very good about taking him in the mid-first and seeing what he can develop into. Also, uh, Keenan and Mike Williams are coming up to the end of their contracts after next season. So they got two more years, basically, with 2023 and then 2024. And then, I mean, Johnson has three years ahead of him with potentially – no Keenan, no Mike Williams, which could be, I mean, third-year breakout on the way. So I, I know that's looking forward a little bit, but that's what we got to do in this game. Make sure you buy Quentin Johnson by 2026. Yes. That's what I just heard. <laughs> there it is. 2025. Mar- yeah, 2025. Mark it on the calendar. Yes. Make, that, make the trade. Yep. As soon as you're eliminated from playoff contention, go uh, buy some <laughs> yeah. Quentin Johnson, baby. Yep. Uh, well, that's pretty much all of this. That's well, that is all of the wide receivers and running backs from round one. But we did see a tight end go round one, and I got to talk to you about this because Dalton Kincaid, a player that was the the range in the mock drafts was all over the place. He ends up being or tight end one in this class, and the Bills. The Buffalo Bills take him at 27. Now they have Dawson Knox, obviously, but oh no, this is yeah, <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit of a different situation here with Kincaid. They spend the, the they spend the first round pick on him. They got plans for him. They see how he works in this offense. He is the pass catcher that some folks thought that they would target at the end of the first. It wasn't a wide receiver though. It was Dalton Kincaid. So. 
does this spot do anything to Kincaid for you? Is it, is it a rise? Is it a fall? Is it? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a rise for sure. I mean, you're in a potent offense to say the least. And I think that Kincaid's got to be a lock to be a top, I'll say 14 to be generous, top 14 pick in one quarterback leagues. He, uh, I mean, this is just a beautiful situation where he'll be probably mostly playing the Y. He he won't have to be in line very much because Dawson can do that. And, I mean, Dawson can play in the slot too, so Kincaid can get down in the trenches if he needs to. So I think you'll be able to see him all over the place in this offense. I think they'll be very creative with him. I think they – look at the mold of the Super Bowl champions and they're thinking maybe they should do something similar to them. I'm not going to say any names here, but I think that they're thinking, you know, it's a uh, copycat league, as a lot of people say. And when the team is a dynasty and they look how they do, maybe you try to do something like that. Some people, man, they've thrown out that they've thrown out the I've, name. I've heard it. I don't. I, I don't won't. like it. I don't like it. Not on but, my. Not on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, talk about Buffalo needs a slot receiver. Well, screw that. You stick your you stick your uh, your big tight end Dalton Kincaid in the slot. Yeah, you're six four, two hundred fifty pound yeah. slot receiver. Right. <laughs> let him go to work. So I, yeah, I like it a lot. He was my 12th player in the class pre-draft and he's certainly not going any lower than that. I can tell you that. Yep. Um, so that's round one, the offensive side, we will talk about IDPs in a second here, but I do want to keep it rolling on the offensive side of things because day two was interesting. It was very interesting. We knew that this class was going to throw us some curveballs because after this point, I mean, so the names that we've talked about already, after that point, it was all bets are off. And that's kind of what we saw. And so uh, the first one that jumps out at me here, Jonathan Mingo, the hype train was, it, you know, it was real. And, I mean, this guy ended up being pre-draft my wide receiver seven. He got taken as wide receiver five in the NFL. So that was 39th to Carolina, who did draft Bryce Young first overall. So they grabbed Bryce a weapon to slot in next to Terrace Marshall. Am I right? <laughs> yes, I I love <laughs> I mean, I love getting the the pairing in the same draft class. You know, that's really nice. So, I mean. I don't know exactly what their plans are because they have a really funky receiver room right now with like Adam Thielen and Terrace Marshall and now Jonathan Mingo and DJ Chark, I'm fairly certain, is in Carolina. It's just like a bunch of guys. And then they go and put the stamp of approval on Jonathan Mingo, the 39 overall stamp of approval on him. And it's got to, I mean, he's got to pop up your board a little bit because there's a ton of targets there and that's valuable but also teams must think very highly of them and even higher than I thought that we would get and I I liked them a lot so we're at a point where you can't 
discredit a, a player like this. Like I, I was, I was thinking he'd be, you know, a fun gadget guy, get the ball in his hands, let him work. You know, he's a good blocker, but obviously there's, there's more than meets the eye with Mingo for me at least. And 39 is a ringing endorsement by the NFL. Yeah, man. I mean, we, we both, you know, late in the process, you, you're going through your wide receiver list and you end up watching some Mingo. And I think we both had a similar experience where we watch this player and you realize, Oh, wait a minute. This is yeah. a really good player. Yeah. Like this is a really good player. And I mean, everybody else was sort of on that same trajectory and yeah, I mean, getting this sort of draft capital high day two, fifth wide receiver off the board, next guy up after that cluster that goes in the first. I mean, is this is this first round pick? Is this first round dynasty pick? I absolutely won't blame you if you do it. I mean, if you're talking about a guy that you what like you are betting on having production year one. I feel like this is a good shot at the end of the first round to take. Because, like I said before, there's a ton of volume there, and Bryce is going to have to find a guy, and I think Mingo is as sure a bet as any of the other guys. Like You could th- throw a dart on Adam Thielen, but I'd rather bet on the young legs. Well, let's talk about another wide receiver that climbed up the boards, and it's another player that we liked. Here at Camp Dynasty. I love. Love. Jaden Reed. Yes. Love. This was a Jaden Reed. Yeah. Jordan. Love. Jaden <laughs> Reed. Jordan. Love. I love it. I love, love. it. Jaden Reed has been one of our guys at Camp Dynasty. He really has. I mean, all the way back to summer scouting last year, I'm talking, you know, we're talking about this player as being a name to watch potentially. He doesn't have the season we're expecting for Michigan State. It kind of puts him under the radar a little bit, but then when you jump into the tape, you realize that this guy still has a lot to offer. He got a lot of momentum coming out of the Senior Bowl. That was sort of the re-energizer. And, man, he he ends up being a top-10 wide receiver for me pre-draft, and he is wide receiver six off the board for the NFL 50th overall to the Green Bay Packers so like the Jonathan Mingo conversation what does this do for Jaden Reed's ADP yeah not not only do I love that do I love Jaden Reed first of all let's just get out of the that out of the way I love the fact that the Packers took him one I'm biased. I'm a Packer fan. Two, of course, because the Packers draft very specific body types. And it is not this body type. It is not Jaden Reed's body type. So what they're thinking is this guy is so good, it does not matter that he doesn't fit our parameters. So they have to love Jaden Reed in order to go outside of the the requirements that they have where we're like, oh, no, they, they won't take that guy. We know he's off their board. And that's what happened with Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'm guessing, where he doesn't fit the RAS, he doesn't fit the height weight, so he's off the board. And Jaden Reed, he's got a good RAS, but he doesn't – he's like five 
eleven, a little under five eleven. He's one hundred eighty eight pounds. Where that's a little, that's too small for to be a Packer, especially in the second round. But they go out of their way to draft him, and he fits in this offense for the same reasons we laid out for Jackson, where he can be a slot guy, a technician that can get open over the middle, but he also has long speed to take the top off. So that requirement doesn't solely fall on Christian Watson. I love this. He fits like a glove. In the, I mean, it. they don't go with the like archetype that they have, but you need a guy to play in the slot. Yes. And it's Jaden Reed. You know, you got Christian Watson as your ex. Dobbs plays your Z. And here is your guy to complement those two and what they do best. And this is a player, I think, you know, we talked about it. This is a guy that could exceed his draft capital. Well, now he was given the draft capital. Yes. This is premier spot for a player like this to go. And I think you can feel pretty good taking this guy, you know, maybe, maybe end of the first, but certainly top of the second. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that I think is now his range where he becomes a top quarter of the second player. Yeah, that's the sweet spot. I, I love that. I think you're getting somebody with a high ceiling. And th- so the question mark is he's tied with, to Jordan Love. And Jordan Love is a, an unknown commodity right now. So if Jordan Love is not as good as Packer fans hope they, that he is, then you start to wonder about production. Because if, if he's not putting up you know, 3,500 yards – there's not going to be as much to go around. And if this is a run-heavy team, then you're not going to be able to have both Christian Watson and Jaden Reed and then the tight ends that we'll get into. So uh, I, I I think that he will be fine based on what we've seen out of Love, but that that's the, the concerns that I would have. So speaking of tight ends, there were five that went in round two. Kincaid was our only round one tight end. Michael Mayer did not go in the first round of the NFL draft. And in fact, he wasn't even tight end two drafted in the NFL draft. That belongs to Sam Laporta. There it is. (laughs) Get in early. (laughs) Hey, go back, go back, rewind, go to the tight end episode. You know, you can come back to this one. Uh, go to our tight end three collectively and listen to our takes on Sam Laporta. We, we were ahead of the curve. I have to say I'm my shoulders hurting again. I'm patting my back, but it's, I, it gonna, feels you're good. You're going to have a bruise there. You're I have a bruise there I, by the end of this. I know one. it's like, you know, you got that handprint starting to form on my back cause I'm hitting it so hard, but it, no, it, 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 it feels it is exciting. It is exciting. When you have a guy like this would be, I think, the quote unquote, like my guy, I think we both would probably say that about Sam Laporta this year. And when you get that sort of, you know, steam behind him, that is exciting. And I very excited about this player. The landing spot is great. The lions. I mean, we, they talking about tight end potentially in the first round while they get Laporta at the top of the second at 34th overall love that spot. Michael Mayer doesn't have to wait long after that because he goes the very next pick. I believe the Raiders traded up they for did. Michael Mayer. So you see Laporta Mayer go right there, 34-35. And then we also had um, Luke Musgrave 
was he went he was next fourth off the board 42nd that was the Packers again and then uh at the end of the second we also saw Luke Schoonmaker and Brenton Strange as tight ends five and six off the board now the later two guys that you know I'm not super you know I'm not like pumping them up the boards quite yet maybe when we talk tight ends final tight end rankings in a few weeks maybe something changes there but definitely Laporta Mayer and Musgrave very exciting to see them all get very very premier capital yeah I mean Laporta in that so we talked about the fact that the Lions we don't know if they're going to take a receiver or not because that they had all the suspensions and they made cuts based on those suspensions and they're not going to have Jameson Williams for the first six games and it's going to be only Amon Ra and then a bunch of guys. Like, what are they going to do with this potent, potent offense? And now you have Jameer Gibbs, who is a passing game weapon, and you insert Sam Laporta, who is a route running technician out of the F, out of the Y, and he is going to go to work in this offense. So, I, I mean, this is... Uh, again, a, a beautiful fit. Uh, lose Hawkinson, spend half a season with Brock Wright, and then slot in another talented pass catcher out of Iowa. So then we move on to Mike Mayer, who's filling another spot of a tight end that got traded with Darren Waller leaving the Raiders. Mayer coming right in. I love that fit too. I mean, there's not as many targets to go around in the Michael Mayer offense, but that's a great football fit. I think it's a little better of a football fit than it is a fantasy fit. And then Luke Musgrave, I mean, we just talked about the Packers offense where they need bodies to catch footballs. And Luke Musgrave, a very talented, very athletic tight end, uh, huge target for Jordan Love to work over the middle, work in the red zone. I mean, they're going to be able to come up with so many more concepts just in general where – they're going to have a lot of fun next year. They're going to be they're high on my list of teams to watch for next year. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so I'm looking at my list here. There's a lot of freaking players that we could ch- we could talk about here, and we will. We will. I mean, through the next five weeks will be our final positional ranking episodes. So. We're going to deep dive running back. We're going to deep dive wide receiver. We're going to deep dive tight end, so on and so on. I'm looking at the third round here. If I have to pick a player that stands out to me here that I want to talk to you about, it's Devon A-Chain. Because when we did ideal landing spots, we talked about it as if it was like a fantasy. Yeah. Like A-chain to the Dolphins. Like right. p- that is the perfect fit. They did it. Third round, Devon A-chain, 84th overall, Miami Dolphins slotting right in to the Mike McDaniel offense. That team has some juice. Man, this is going to – someone bring – a radar gun to one of these games and just clock <laughs> speeds. Cause that, that could be an activity in and of itself, just getting Tyreek and Waddle and a chain and 
the Mostert if he's alive anymore. I mean, these are, these are the fastest kids alive. Like, I, this is crazy. So, I mean, they're a threat to score anytime any of these guys touch the ball, no matter where they are on the field. They could be backed up in their own five-yard line, and defenses are going to be sweating because this is – I mean – you think about the scheme of this offense and the RPO-centric nature of this McDaniel offense and Tua's pinpoint accuracy where you're going to be sticking it in the gut of Devon A-Chain and the defense is can't even like bite on that. They can't account for the angle of that because they also have to be terrified of the two – like two – the two fastest wide receivers in football. I mean, what do you do? What do you do game planning against that? That is just uh, so uh, H.A.N. Dolphins, good grief. He jumped really, like, he was sitting at 12 for me, my RB5. He jumped high for me because this landing spot was perfect. Yeah, it's everything I wanted. I had him seventh. And it's with the idea that he's going to be in a spot like this where you can easily see the talent being maximized. Like we will see what his role looks like. We will, you know, we still, there's still the question marks with his size of what it's going to look like, but there's nowhere else in the league. There is not a single team that I would have rather had this player go to than the Miami Dolphins. I know that they are going to maximize his talents just like they did. I mean, Raheem Mostert, man. Raheem Mostert was you know look at look at what he has done in this system. Plug a chain into that sort of a role. I mean, golly, it's gonna be special. I'll I'll move on to the one guy in the third round that I loved his landing spot. Uh there's there's a few I'd like to choose from, but if you make me pick one. It's it's Kendra. It's Kendra Miller. He got yeah. taken at 71 to the Saints. Uh, I mean, with the anvil that is looming over the Alvin Kamara situation, this could be a starting running back as soon as this year. And if not, it'll be pretty soon because Kamara's not going to be there forever. I mean... I don't know what wizardry the Saints salary cap manager can do, what black magic he's doing in New Orleans down there, but uh, Kendra Miller, I love him. I mean, he was my RB4. He was my number 10 overall player, and I feel vindicated by this, and I feel that he – I mean, he's going to have opportunity soon, and he's going to have opportunity this year. So it, it might be, it might not be super pretty this year as they transition out of this old guard that the Saints have, but they're building a nice young core uh, to come in after all of these, uh, all of these monies come off of the books. You know, with the Derek Cars and the Michael Thomas and the Alvin Kamaras and the. Uh, Cam Jordan and the Demario Davis, you know, the the old guard has to kind of move out for this new guard to come take over with Chris Olave and company. Yeah, it's undeniable that Kendra Miller is one of the biggest winners overall from this NFL draft. I mean, we knew that a running back 
at least one from this tier was going to catapult themselves. You were a little bit ahead of the curve. You had them there already. But <laughs> Kendra is the guy. After, yes. you know, we see he is RB4 off the board for the NFL, and he takes the surge up to the top where now there is legitimate round one potential here, but, you know, no lower than that sort of top quarter of the second round again. I mean, you're talking about the player that, you know, I had kind of in that bottom of the second tier surges straight up based on landing spot alone. I love the talent. He separates himself with the with the landing spot that he's in. 100% agree. Man, I... I don't think we can. I don't think we can move to day three without talking about Josh Downs. I, I let's do it. I mean, the Josh Downs Anthony Richardson connection is going to be electric. I mean, well, first and foremost, has anything changed? Like, what has changed for you? Because like Downs was a player that we have both really, really liked through this process. We both had him, you know, in our top 12 final rankings. You had him, I think, seventh uh, potentially. Yeah. So, I mean, a player that we both really, really liked as a first-round pick. Does he – is this a falling spot for Josh Downs? I I think it's a a fall for me because I I think a lot of these guys – rose <laughs> and somebody's yeah. got to fall and just the situation he's in where you you don't know what anthony richardson is he's going to be a, a slot receiver on a growing offense that potentially could be electric and that's a lot of fun but there's also a lot of questions here because anthony richardson is not a polished passer. Is he going to be with Gardner Minshew for a little while? Is is Anthony Richardson going to polish as a passer? Is you know the the Michael Pittman thing is is fine. Like I said, two wide receivers can coexist on a team. Alec Pierce, what does that look like? And then you have a probably very run heavy team when we look at Richardson and Jonathan Taylor. So. There could be a very low volume for a little while here. You, you you know, look at Justin Fields. You look at early Jalen Hurts where they're throwing maybe 20 times a game because they don't have to throw more than that. So that would be my concern is just a lack of volume and then the potential that maybe Anthony Richardson isn't what we think he is and that there could be a bad quarterback situation. Yeah, there's a lot of variables here, and it is is unfortunate, I think, for Josh Downs because I don't have – I still like the player, obviously, but there's a lot of, you know, what if here with the Colts spot, like you said, with Richardson first and foremost, but then, you know, how does he slot in in this offense? What does it look like? What can we think the role is? I mean – he ends up being wide receiver 12 drafted. I mean, he still gets day two capital, middle of the third round. But, man, there were some names that went ahead of him that kind of shocked me a little bit. Tank Dell goes ahead of yeah. him. I mean, Rasheed Rice, Marvin Mims, guys like that. I mean, 
going ahead of Josh Downs. I mean, it. I guess it is what it is. I mean, we we kind of said this is a low ceiling slot player with Downs, and so maybe this capital reflects that in the NFL's eyes. But at the same time, if you're t- if you're talking about a player here that kind of is a now becomes a sneaky pick, a guy that went from maybe ADP like eight to ten to now maybe you get Josh Downs in the second. I feel good about that. Yeah, I feel good about drafting Josh Downs in the second. I agree. I totally. I feel better about that than I. I mean, at seven, you you would be hoping that he got drafted day two to a perfect landing spot. Yeah, like that. That is the if hits ideal. So the, moving him down into the second feels right. Let's talk about some of the unfortunate events that happened this weekend by that i mean we've reached day three of the draft and certain players that we have talked quite a bit about have not been drafted yet and that is always a scary feeling because we know that day three is not always where you want to be in dynasty the the hit rate of these guys drops dramatically at this point so whether or not you like the talent or not you kind of always have to recenter yourself and think realistically about what this stuff looks like. I mean, I'm going to start at the bottom and I'm going to start with Zach Evans because I think we all knew that we were going to see a fall from Zach Evans. I mean, this was a player Go back to last summer and throughout the season that I was so excited about. That I legitimately thought had running back one potential in the NFL as a possible round one player, but certainly a day two player. He falls to 215, the sixth round where he gets finally drafted by the Rams. So I'm not going to sit here and ask you to tell me (laughs) if this is, you know, what do we think about Zach Evans? This now goes from a player that was a top five player in the class for me at the end of college football to a player that may not even be drafted in four rounds of rookie drafting. Yeah, well, okay, so the one saving grace about the Zach Evans spot is that the Rams are devoid of players. And so Zach Evans, I mean, the Cam Akers health question is a real thing. So Zach Evans is RB2 on this team, man. Don't. I, I'm gonna don't I'm, pull me back in. I'm reeling you in. I'm reeling you in. We're we're at fishing class in Camp Dynasty. We're we're sitting out on the pier, and I'm I'm reeling you back in. So, okay, I I I think that landing spot is like draft capital is obviously very important. Like if Zach Evans was taken in the third round to the Rams, that would be excellent. We'd be pounding the table for him. He's taken in the sixth round to the Rams and that does hurt but it's still a good landing spot either way and we know that Zach Evans has limitations 
And I think that shows here. So he might not be like in the ideal position, but he's getting drafted in a four round rookie draft. I, I think that we we might have gone too far of an overcorrection to say he won't be. I think like if you don't have an IDP draft, you're sitting in the third round. You're taking a shot on Zach Evans. I, I think there are some people that'll take him regardless, especially if you have Cam Akers. That's a beautiful handcuff. So I think that Zach Evans, it is crappy that he dropped down to the sixth round, but I mean, there there's shots to be taken on worse players than this. Yeah, it's a dart throw. I mean, it it is, it's a Hail Mary. It's, you know, there's a 1% chance, but I'm taking the chance. I'm taking the chance in the fourth. You know, if I got a fourth-round pick and Zach Evans is there, I'm taking him 100, 100 times out of 100 because I just don't get it. I don't get what it is about the player that caused the fall because the fall was so dramatic that it almost seems like there's something else, like character or, you know, interviews didn't go well at all like obviously we know he comes in a little bit smaller than we think he's not testing as well as we think maybe there's bad interviews happening that's a pretty good way for a running back to fall down the board especially in a we class also like this can't see his medicals exactly maybe there's something that, that that comes up with the medicals so there's a lot that goes into something like this. I mean, a player like Zach Evans doesn't just fall to the sixth round like this. I mean, there's enough there that I feel like there's something to work with. So, yeah, maybe we'll see. We'll see what happens with, with Evans. But, I mean, other guys, day three, Colin, anybody jump out at you for better or for worse? Yeah, I'll I'll talk – I got two guys, one for better, one for worse. Uh, the for better is Roshan Johnson to the Cowboys. I like that a lot. I mean, we talked about getting the compliment to Pollard, and I think Roshan fits that very nicely. Uh, and then for worse is Sean Tucker, and he went undrafted. I know that's not day three, so it doesn't fit the criteria of the question, but I'm going rogue. I accept it. Yeah, Sean Tucker went to signed with the Buccaneers in undrafted free agency. So, I mean, it, the Bucks need another running back on the team. They don't have Leonard Fournette, so it's a fine spot. But I, at some point, it's like, yeah, the guy didn't get drafted. We didn't get to see the medicals. They were obviously really bad for and. Maybe, like you said, there was some interview stuff. Uh, the The performance wasn't what we expected, this, that, and the other thing. So what do you think about Sean Tucker? I mean, I think this one is easier to understand, and therefore it's easier to, like, talk yourself back into it maybe. Mm, like, okay. if you were a Sean Tucker guy, maybe you just say, okay, well, the medicals was obviously what caused this to happen because it's a heart problem. No team is, you know, thrilled with that. And so you let a guy like this become undrafted and then he gets signed to a spot that's not bad for a running back. I mean, obviously Rashad White is there, but there is a pathway for Sean Tucker to prove if he is healthy and if this is not an issue 
that he can, you know, have a role on this team potentially. So I think this one is actually sneaky. I mean, obviously we're talking UDFAs here. I'm not telling you, you know, <laughs> if you had this guy as your like 14th player, slam it. <laughs> like, no, but with these later picks, I mean, this is one that I'd be a little bit, it, it'd be easier for me to talk myself into throwing the dart at him because I think it's a very clear reason why he fell and it's not necessarily because of talent yeah and it's it's not like the bucks have a firmly entrenched starter i think that's kind of the key here where yeah tucker i don't know if they love rashad white and sean tucker could walk in and compete and he could take snaps away from rashad white honestly day three good news potentially Chase Brown, I don't hate what happened to Chase Brown because I I think he was a day three player all along. That's how I saw him. But he goes to the Bengals, and there's this, you know, the dark cloud of Joe Mixon. We don't know what it is, what it looks like. And honestly, before the draft, I kind of thought to myself, if there's going to be a Tyler Algier in this class, I I think it's Chase Brown. If it's the same sort of player, he's low ceiling, but he's good. He's going to go day three and in the right spot. If he's getting touches, I think it could amount to production. Obviously, it's not long-term production. We know what happens with Algier, but you get a season of it. It's something that's worth spending a fourth-round pick on. So I actually liked that for Chase Brown. What All I wanted was a spot where there was a path. And I think we got that with the Bengals. One spot that we didn't get a path, at least not one that I can really see, a Banacanda. Going to the Jets, I think there was a lot of steam behind this name, especially after the pro day, what we saw there. He ends up going to the sort of scheme that we wanted him to go to, but the problem is that he's behind Brees Hall. So... Yeah, the trouble trouble for Brees Hall. No, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> like you said, he went to the scheme that we wanted him to because that that is the perfect scheme for a guy like Banacanda. But now he's just going to be stuck behind a, a team that does have an entrenched starter. But I mean, Brees is coming back from the ACL, so that you have a guy that can tote the rock. I mean, you can give a Banacanda. 30 carries if you want to because he's done it in college uh but yeah as soon as Brees comes back Banacanda's value is just kind of meh and the thing that was interesting was the Jets were reportedly interested in taking Gibbs in the first which at 15 which is uh, wild to me given the team needs that they have that they would spend on a running back. But uh, Robert Sala, again, everybody wants their dual threat. They want their Debo Samuel, uh, whatever, even though the the 49ers haven't really done anything with Debo Samuel and Debo had one good year. Uh, But they, you know, pass on Gibbs at, 15 and wait till 143 to get a Banacanda. 
Imagine if Gibbs would have went to the Jets and then Charbonnet goes to Seattle, and so we'd have Brees Hall and Ken Walker. That would be uh, we were were very close. We were very close. It sounds like yeah. Thank you to the Lions. Yeah. (laughs) Um, the last name I want to shout out just because I don't think we can. We don't even have to talk about him, but I just need I just need to put a period on this. Kayshawn, sixth round pick to the Patriots. If there's so anybody the f- that can fix him, <laughs> it's Bill Belichick, man. <laughs> the wide receiver whisperer, <laughs> right? He did it with Randy Moss. <laughs> did he do it with Nikhil Harry? I could, I can't remember. No, Nikhil Harry was just bad at football. That's well, that's, that's different. Well, so is Kayshawn. So, well, boom. fair, fair, roasted. We'll dig up the tapes. All right, so that's the draft. You know, wide receiver, running backs. Okay, and we're gonna we're we're, we're doing the, that's the draft. It's over. We're done. Well, there's no, there's just, no more players. Minute. We're not done yet. Okay, I'm not. IDPs <laughs> always get shoved into the corner, and I'm gonna I am gonna shove them into the corner, <laughs> but I am gonna include them. So IDPs matter, th- people. Yeah. Put it on a T-shirt. I, so here's the thing with IDPs. We are going to be doing our final IDP rankings for this class in like five weeks from now. That will be a very, very in-depth look at this class. Yes. All position groups, who are the best ones, who are, where are we targeting them, all of that stuff that will come in its own dedicated episode. So there, you know, IDPs will have their moment. But I don't want to leave this, the draft reactions, without talking about some of the landing spots that we saw because it was as you know as interesting and weird as it got on the offensive side. I think it, it the same can be said for IDPs. And honestly, I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think it. I don't think it was a good way for the IDP situation. But obviously, Will Anderson you know, goes to Houston. They make the trade. They take CJ and then they give an absolute haul to move up. And it's not Tyree Wilson. All that BS is just smoke. We, we learned that it was Will Anderson as edge one all along best defensive player in the draft. So, I mean, what did you think about that? I mean, horrible trade for the Texans, terrible (laughs) trade, but good player. I yep. <laughs> like <laughs> bad value, but it's a lot of fun to, so what, what, it you know, they get CJ, they trade back into three, they take will. It's obvious that, you know, either ownership or the GM wanted one or wanted one and ownership or the GM wanted the other. So they take one and they're like, well, our hands are tied. We got to go get the other one. So they get both. I mean, he's going to be getting double teamed a lot. He's across from Jerry Hughes, so that's not great for him. But he'll be putting up IDP production sooner or later. It just might be a little later because he's the only talented player on that defense. Sorry, Jalen Petrie. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's Will, man. I'll follow him anywhere. It doesn't. Nothing changes. It's like Bijan. Like, there's nowhere to go. You're already at the top. But I, the spot's good. It's D'Amico Ryan's centerpiece, you know, new look defense here for Houston. So you like to see that a lot. 
there's a lot of edge players we could talk about here. I mean, these are part of the fun of, of figuring out what IDP looks like this year in terms of the draft is figuring out how to move these edge guys around and where do you pick them and which ones do you prioritize? I mean, Tyree Wilson, you know, it was, it ends up being smoke, but he does go top 10. He goes seventh to the Raiders. So I think that pretty clearly makes him the DL two in the class, obviously based on, you know, the, there was quite a few that were drafted in the first and second rounds, but obviously this is a different situation. So, I mean, Tyree Wilson, DL two, but I don't know what that means for the class. Like where do you, I mean, we'll, we'll figure that out at some point, but yeah, I think there's a pretty big gap between him yeah. and will. And I, I think yep. the only, the question marks around Tyree that bring up like the edge two conversation is, you know, he's obviously going to be across with Max Crosby, so he's not going to be in the same situation as Will Anderson, but Chandler Jones is there, and I'm sure they like having the veteran presence. So, and Tyree's not a finished product. So there's no there's no guarantee that Tyree Wilson is on the field for as many snaps as Will Anderson or, you know, a, a few other players in this, like Lucas Van Ness even, who is has a clear path to starting and playing a ton of snaps. Uh, there's no guarantee that Tyree has that because if he's – unpolished and the Raiders are trying to win games they'll still play Chandler Jones the Lions made a shocking move with Gibbs and they made an equally shocking move from the more, ID more yeah, shocking a more shocking move from the IDP front in the first round they pick Gibbs at 12 then they come back and take Jack Campbell at 18 your guy my guy uh, your guy your LB one in the class. I mean, he, he runs away with that mantle. I mean, no matter what you think about him, no matter what I think about him, he's LB one in the class. Absolutely. A hundred percent. No doubt about it. Just based on where he went versus where all the other guys went. And listen, they desperately needed a off ball linebacker. Yeah. I don't know if desperately enough to fit. take one at 18. But Alex Anzalone was their best guy. Malcolm Rodriguez was a standout on the hard knocks season. But Jack Campbell is a day one, and he's going to have 170 tackles next year. So I love this. This is beautiful. We should have known. We should have known that this is going to happen. I mean, if you're talking about Dan Campbell players. Such a Dan Campbell come player. On. So, yeah, love it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, so, I mean, Campbell goes 18. I mean, let's talk about the rest of the linebacker class here. It just Oh, falls weird. off a cliff, man. Weird, man. I mean, Trenton Simpson, who I had as my LB1 coming into this thing, I think a lot of people, myself included, were expecting him to get drafted somewhere in, like, the top half of the second round. He falls all the way to 86 in the third round where the Ravens snatch him up. Now, it did come out today that they're not picking up Patrick Queen's fifth year. So I think the writing's on the wall here. Like, this will be the Patrick Queen replacement after this season next to Roquan on this defense. I mean, it's not a bad spot. It's just kind of shocking, I think, where he ended up going. 
Yeah, I I agree. I thought the first thought I had was like, oh no, like this is I I don't really like that. But the more I thought about it, and then like you said, with the uh, the Patrick Queen news that came, where we found out he's not gonna probably be on the team unless he gets extended, which is unlikely. Uh, now you know that. Trent Simpson was the Patrick Queen replacement. And then you feel a little better because, I mean, Patrick Queen has had 100 tackles in his three seasons in the league. He had his career high last year with 117, career high with five sacks. So if he slots into that role and is playing next to Roquan, I think you can feel pretty good about that. So the one thing I care about is the Cal Hamilton action. Because I like Hamilton, I have sock at Hamilton, and I I think that Trent Simpson does play this weird hybrid role and could be in that slot that Hamilton was in and might be getting dirty, and that's for this year because Simpson's gonna have to get worked in, and he's had experience at safety, he's had experience at slot, so that that's a muddies things up a little, but. Like to... But at the same time, I mean, they Kyle Hamilton is a first-round pick for them. Yeah. A guy that I think they really like and see. You know, he, he will be the – if anything, Kyle Hamilton's presence is harmful to Trenton Simpson. That's fair. Then vice versa. I mean, it's just – I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Simpson. I don't know what to think about any of these linebackers. How about Drew Sanders? a player that we thought might even go in the first round of the NFL draft where, and, and he also falls to the third round, uh, not quite as far, but he goes 67th to the Broncos, which I if there's really nothing know. they need. It's a white linebacker that can't cover. <laughs> they got, they already have two of them with Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton. They don't need Drew Sanders there. See, and that's what makes me think it's like a good fantasy spot because, like, those guys are both relevant. They're so good. Both of them get, like, 13 tackles a game. So, I mean, you plug a guy like Sanders in there and just – I think it's a good spot for him. I have no idea. I have no idea how to even project this out because if Jewel and Singleton are playing, there's no tackles left. Right, because yeah. they they literally vacuum up all of them. So unless he's gonna end up replacing, because Jewel is injury prone. I mean, that's right. the truth of the nature, the truth of it. So maybe he just slots in week six and plays the last eleven games of the season and has that production. So and he can rush the passer, which we've talked at length about. So yeah. I I like the spot in that sense, but if if uh, Jewel and Singleton are playing, I mean that it's not great. Right. Yeah. This year definitely murky, weird. Um, there's other line. I mean, there was a little bit of a mini run on linebackers. We don't have. We don't need to go into those players today. We'll get there. DBs. I'm talking oh, about Marvion Overshawn before you silence oh. me. Okay, go ahead. Bring him on in. I just like I like it. I like him to the Cowboys at ninety in the third round. Yeah, good. I mean, he was a part of that run. I mean, it was honestly is the whole class is like undersized, like kind of hybridy players yeah. there. Like we saw that whole like Simpson, Overshone, and Mapu all went at like within a ten picks of each other. 
And by the whole so, class, you mean every single player. Like yeah. wide receivers <laughs> yeah. are all small and can play a bunch I of different roles. Tight ends are all underweight, undersized. Linebackers, they're all corners. There's Emmanuel Forbes is like the smallest corner. Bryce Young, smallest yep. quarterback to ever be drafted in the first round. So this Wild. is an interesting class. Very, very small class. Yeah, very weird. On the DB front, I mean, it, it's gross, man. It's very <laughs> gross. I don't, you know. This is not the year to invest in DB. This is not. It's it's just not. I mean, I do, like, I will say this. Brian Branch, again, we're talking about the Lions. Brian Branch uh, goes to Detroit 45th. He is DB1 off the board, safety one off the board. Um, I mean, it's a good spot, I think, but I, I, I was always sort of, like, wondering what Brian Branch is numbers look like from an idp perspective it's going to depend how they're deploying him is he more of a nickel player or is he playing you know safety i don't you know we'll see um the one that excites me that does give me a little bit of energy with this group is sydney brown who a player that yeah, the the tackling, which is the most important thing that I that we care about, <laughs> it can be a little bit questionable. But he goes high round three to the Eagles in a, a team that needs him, where Very you can badly. envision what it looks like. And he's a player that has that sort of game where he's fast, he's furious, he's all over the place, he's playing multiple positions. I think that is one player in this group that does kind of excite me a little bit. Not, you know, this isn't a year to take a DB in round two or anything. You know, maybe we'll see even round three, but this might be the one out of the, out of the group that I like the most. Yeah. Sydney Brown, Jordan battle, Jordan battle. Not uh, a bad spot either. And Brian Branch. Those are those are my three that stood out to me. Where Anthony Johnson Jr. might start on the Packers too. That's gross to say, but I mean, if you need a guy to get tackles, he's a good tackler. And uh, if they don't bring back Amos, he's going to be rotating in. So that might be a thing uh, if you want a UDFA. Uh, and then. Who was um, Antonio, Antonio Johnson. Johnson? Yeah, I really like uh, for the Jags because I, I mean, I don't. Their safe, their DB room is weird. Their safety room is weird, and they took him late. He went a lot later than I expected him to go, but I still like him as a player. So those are just a few guys that I would keep an eye on, put on your watch list, maybe. And if they have, you know, start getting snaps and start, you know, just keep an eye out for them. Yeah, and it'll be, you know, when we get to our IDP rankings, it'll be a lot of mix and match. What Who's starting? What does the depth chart look like? How does this project for yeah. this season and beyond? So we'll we'll play that game. We'll have a better idea of kind of what these players look like. For the this IDP season. episode that will be the yes. length of a Martin Scorsese feature-length film. Yeah. Book yeah. Uh, three hours. <laughs> yeah. that it's, think of that as like our – that is our – contribution to the idp community one episode we got our godfather uh <laughs> length episode there so um 
I think that's it. I think that's I think that's good. I think we covered all the people that matter. Yeah. Maybe some sneaky names that we haven't talked about yet, but we will. Yeah. yeah. We will. What do you think? Okay. I'll, I'm going to go rapid fire. You say like or don't like. Okay. Okay. Rasheed Rice to the Chiefs. Like. Okay. Uh, Tank Bigsby to the Texans. To the Texans. Tank Dell to the Texans. Like. I mean, it's a good spot. Yeah. Tank Bigsby to the Jags. Bad. Yeah. Don't like. Michael Wilson to the Cardinals. Like. Nice. Sneaky. Very. Sleeper, question mark. Tyler Scott to the Bears. Don't mind the spot. Hate the day three capital. That one was shocking to me. Cedric Tillman to the Browns. Been fighting myself on this one for several days. I think it's a good spot. Okay. And then did we talk about Tajay Spears? No. To the but Titans. that's also a good spot. Okay. That's our so, rapid fire segment right there. Good spots. Like yes. good spots. It's just that the players went not exactly where you expected them to go, and in some cases later than you expected, which is always a not great feeling. Yeah. But I think the I think the lesson, the takeaway is a lot of people soured on the class a little bit after the draft. And I don't think you have to. I think that the class is as good as it was before the draft. And a lot of guys got pretty good spots. So a few of your favorite players might have dropped a couple spots in your board. But I think a lot of people are a lot more fine than the community like is saying they are. My takeaway from this draft is that I think it is what I thought it was, which is that there's a lot of good NFL players in this class. But now that I see it, now that it's real, like they're on teams, they have draft capital behind them. I think it's less exciting for fantasy. Yeah, I agree. I think you just saw an infusion of talent to across like the wide receiver running back positions in the NFL, which is a good thing for those teams. I don't think we can be, you know, we can't expect to see like stars coming out of this class. Like it's the top group. It's those top guys that it's always been. And then the whole class opens up into take your flavor, take your guy. Yes. I mean, you might take a guy at 15 that somebody else wouldn't even touch, but it's it's fine because there really isn't a set ranking this year like in some other seasons. So, yeah, good class, just maybe not what we thought for fantasy. Yeah, not the chalk year. You don't want to yeah. just take a guy because his ADP is high. You want to go get somebody because you actually like him. Yep, get your guy, bet on your guy, see how it turns out. Love it. That'll be me and Cedric Tillman. There it is. All right. Well, uh, like I've been saying, Colin, next week we get it started. This is the final stretch. All of these months that we've spent have been leading up to this, which is our final rankings series for the 2023 group of campers. They are in the NFL now. They are all NFL players. We will be ranking them. That's crazy. Ahead. <laughs> it's freaking crazy, man. 
we will be ranking them ahead of dynasty draft season as we move into the summer months where the drafts are going to start happening we will get our rankings out there and then we will uh talk about some other fun little tidbits as we move through dynasty draft season before eventually getting to where I thought we were going to go today, which was the 2024 mock draft. Am I right? Yeah. Marvin Harrison yeah. Jr.? Oh, man, I can't wait for the, the, the 2024. Can't come soon enough. <laughs> Be here before you know it. So yeah. next week, quarterbacks. We'll talk about them. We'll give it a little bit of a super flex spin. So yes. we'll spend a lot of time on those guys, break them down. Uh, talk about the landing spots. We didn't talk about them at all today. So that's all going to come next week. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, until that point, follow us at camp underscore dynasty on Twitter and TikTok at camp dot dynasty. Like, review, rate, subscribe to the pod feed. Um, and Retweet, leave reviews retweet like, do all share, the things let us know our bad takes yep uh, let us know how much you hated or loved your favorite players landing spots yes do that to tell me if you liked your team's draft Ooh, yeah yeah the packers started rough but they recovered so yeah they stuck the yeah. landing i think the league was just lower on jsn than we were yeah and uh, they're going to pay for that someday. Yeah. Well, thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week. We will see you next week.